Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on the Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. Well, good morning, Venture. Man, it's great to see everybody today. Isn't it awesome? Baptism Sundays are the best Sundays. They're the best weekend by far. Yeah, I I so appreciate it. I told the group uh, before service that was getting baptized, I said, you need to realize the best part of our service today will be your baptism. You've already seen the best message you could see preached. You really have. Of people who, who just, especially these young people who are making this commitment to Christ. And so I, I'd encourage you, if you haven't taken that step of following Christ through baptism, talk to us. We, we've got more scheduled. We've got 16 baptism second service. So we're excited about that. As God is producing life change here, especially in the next generation. And we see that. And so I really, again, I just want to celebrate with those who've made that commitment of faith, who stepped out. And we were able to witness that together. I'm excited today as we, we come into a short but powerful section in the book of James. In fact, if you've got your Bibles, turn to James chapter five. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can use one of the blue ones right in front of you. It's page 1201. And James chapter five, we're at the very end of the book. And as James is writing in this, he's writing to us about a key topic I think all of us struggle with in some degree. He's writing about how can we be patient especially with what we face. And I I know as I say that, if you're like me, some of us struggle with impatience with the little things of life. You know, you come to a stoplight and the person who's on their phone in front of you instead of going, can you feel my impatience even now? I, I don't know why I've made no progress in this category whatsoever. I keep bringing it to God. I mean, there's the the struggles of it. I read about a young father who was uh, pushing his son through the grocery store. He had his son and he's going, the son's strapped into the seat there, little preschooler and the preschooler is just throwing a tantrum. He's screaming, he's crying, he's grabbing things on the shelf. Everybody's kind of giving him a wide berth. And here's this young dad, he's kind of pushing him through and he keeps kind of talking and he says, it's okay, Donald. Hey, stay calm, Donald. We got this, Donald. And finally, this mom walks up and she she says, you know, I've just got to be impressed how how calm and gentle you are with your son. And And then she looks over at the little one and she said, what's the matter, Donald? And the man looks at her and says, oh no, that's Henry. I'm Donald. Yeah, if you're a parent, you've been there. You, you know, we're, we're, we're like, okay, we can do this. There, there's a certain level of patience you have to learn in life. But what James is addressing in this passage, it's a next level category. And it's not just the, the struggles of life and the little things of life. He's addressing a group that have been called to be patient in the suffering of life, in the long stretches in the hard stuff. Let's let's read through the passage. I just want you to hear his words. James chapter five, seven through 11. He says, be patient therefore brothers until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. 
Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You've heard the steadfastness of Job and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He's writing a, a particular group that are facing patience in suffering. And, and in fact, I thought we'd just take a moment, make sure we define the terms well. Because you can look at patience, and I said, there's a broad category of patience of learning to be patient in the small things of life. There's also kind of a category in suffering. And, and make sure that we're clear, because you can face suffering in life for different reasons. When he's using the suffering here, He's not talking about the consequences that are caused by foolishness or sin. There's a certain suffering that comes in life. There's certain trouble that you go through in life because you're facing the consequences of a choice you made in life. And, and the choice of foolishness, you, ju you just are living in a way that God looks at and says, here's the wisdom I've laid out. I've laid out my word, I've laid it out in life with it. And you're choosing to be foolish or you're choosing to be sinful. You're choosing to do, you violate what he has said in that. There are consequences in that. I mean, Galatians says, do not be deceived. God's not mocked for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. There's a structure to the universe, the way it operates with it. In the same way that there's a physical structure to the universe. Our universe has been created by God. And we, we know this physical structure. There's some things that are so complete that happen every time we call them laws. The laws of the universe, the law of gravity. We all know the law of gravity. If I take my glasses here and I hold them here, what gravity, I know it's gonna fall every time. Now, I may come to the edge of this stage and I really wish gravity wouldn't work right now. In fact, I have so much faith. I, I just think it won't. And I just hold out and I do a trust fall straight forward. You know what's gonna happen, don't you? There's gonna be a lot of pain down there, isn't there? And, and in the same way, Galatians is saying, scripture says this, there's a structure to the universe. There's spiritual laws. There's moral laws. There's relational laws. And, and you can come up to the edge of those things and tell yourself, well, I, I wish it wouldn't be that way. Maybe it won't hurt me this time. Maybe I can get away with it. Just like gravity in the physical universe, the scripture is real clear. There's always consequences to violating those laws. And there's pain that comes with it and there's suffering that comes with it. And by the way, God doesn't want to relieve that suffering too quickly because he's using the suffering to hopefully teach you just like it would teach me, you better not go face plant off the stage. He wants to use that so that we would repent. We would return. Like the prodigal son, he comes to a point that he comes to his senses and he goes, this is not working my way. And, and the good news of scripture is every time you make that turn, and some of you right now, you're feeling the consequences of some choices you've made in your life and it's not working and you're suffering as a result of it. Hear me, when you return, he always forgives. He always welcomes you back. 
Now, you may work through the damage that you've done, but your first step is responding to that suffering with repentance. That's a whole category of suffering. That is not what James is talking about here. He's talking about the difficulties we face despite one's faithfulness to God. He's writing a group, he's writing a church, they've been faithful, especially coming out of the passage we were just in. Remember he talked about the rich landowners who were abusing the people, they weren't paying the people. There were some in the church, they were suffering injustice, they were suffering financially, they're suffering health issues, they're suffering persecution because of their faith. It's despite the fact that they're faithful. That's what Jesus said to us. He said, I've said these things that in me you may have peace. So we always know we have peace in Christ, but in the world you'll have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus tells every single one of us, he says, you can always have peace in me, but recognize you live in a fallen world and in this world there's tribulation, there's suffering. And, and it's suffering that people, now hear me, they're suffering despite their faithfulness. It's not that they're living perfect lives. They're struggling with sin like anybody else, but they're living a faithful life before God. And, and in that faithfulness, there's this thought in our head that we think the more faithful I am, the better life I live, aren't I gonna experience that much more good in life? And this church, and many of you and many of our brothers and sisters around the world are actually facing more trouble because of their faithfulness. You know, I was, I was just thinking and praying this morning, we, we've got some key regions that we do missions work around the world. And, and I just started going through the list of our regions. I mean, I, I, all of our missionaries and all of our partners that we hear from in India right now are facing more suffering because of their faithfulness. The level of persecution of Christians in India is rising every day. Every day it's going up. It's because of their faithfulness in that. I look at our partners and friends in the Middle East and the countries throughout the Middle East and the faithfulness they have, many times in context of being a Christian can cost you their, your life and they're faithful. Think of our work in Ethiopia. And our partner's there. In fact, one of our partners, Aichi, he's in town right now with it. And, and, you know, every time he comes to town, he talks about, if you know anything about Ethiopia, this unbelievable outpouring of what God's doing in certain regions. But in the north part of Ethiopia, this rise in persecution, people giving their lives, people losing limbs because they follow Jesus Christ. Think of our partners in Mexico. And Marcelo, who just told us recently the work they're doing there. And they have to watch out because of the cartels and the danger that comes out of that. Guys, I'm just picking certain spots around the world. We have brothers and sisters of Christ. They're facing this kind of level of persecution and suffering. We need to be praying for them. We need to be looking at them and learning from them and recognizing as well, you know, our fifth region is right here in the Bay Area. <clears throat> and some of you face suffering because of your faithfulness to Christ. So some of you face suffering at work more. You, you know you've been left off of projects or opportunities with that. Some of you face suffering in your relationships because you've chosen to, to align your life according to what scripture says. And you live that out in a way that costs you. 
Some of you are facing suffering that comes from sickness. I can just start thinking across this church body. Some of you that have faced long sickness, long battles with cancer. Some are suffering because of a broken home despite your faithfulness in it. Some of you suffer because of what your kids are going through and what you see. We don't have to drill very deep before you start looking around and realize there's a lot of people impacted by this because Jesus said it would happen. In this world, you'll have tribulation. And there's suffering that comes out of that. And, and James says, for all of you in that, and maybe you're in that season right now or you will be in that, this longer term suffering with that, he calls us to patience. Now, when he uses this word patience, I want to make sure we're clear on that. He's not talking about passively waiting for the suffering to end. You're not sitting around that we just pass, okay, be patient. He's not saying you kind of slap this phrase on it. Well, you're going through a hard time. It is what it is. You had nothing you can do about it. Guess I got to just sit in it. And there's the sense of, I'm just, I got to passively sit here and wait till this is done. Uh, scripture does not call us to that. In fact, the, the term waiting in scripture is never a passive term in this. And, and by the way, we're not wired for this. We, we don't do well with it. It's interesting, there's different studies they, they've done of how people are anxious when you're waiting and when you're not. Uh, they, they did a study, New York Times had an article about uh, airports. They studied airports around the world. Number one complaint at airports was waiting for your bags and how slow it was. Houston airport was determined they were gonna solve this. They put in more workers, more personnel. They got it down to eight minutes from when the time the plane landed to when the bag was out. And they still had complaints. They couldn't figure it out. And here's what they realized. Most passengers, when they pulled up, they could be off their plane and to the carousel in one minute or less. And so there was still seven minutes of waiting. This unoccupied time is what we hate. And so you know how they solved it? They actually moved the gates further away. They did, they really did. And they timed it in a way that it took longer. People didn't mind walking. Well, I'm doing something. I'm walking and then I get there and I'm not waiting. Hey, this is perfect. This place is awesome. It's the same thing in traffic. Have you ever felt that? You come up on a, a traffic stop or the, the interstate slows down or that. As long as I'm moving, if we can just move some, it's when it comes to that complete stop. You ever do that? It comes to the stop and we're just, uh, what? <sighs> Again, I have patience issues. You, you recognize this. The study came back and they said, as humans, we hate unoccupied waiting. We're just so wired against it. If there's something that occupies me while I'm in my waiting. And that's what scripture, when you study the words waiting in scripture, like when you see it in Isaiah, it's this actively trusting in God's plan for my life. There's an active trust. There's a leaning into God. There's a sense of expectation. Isaiah 40, when he says it in this way, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. This term here is not a passive term. I'm just sitting in it. It's this active term that even though my circumstances, my suffering hasn't changed, 
I'm looking to God. I'm active with God. I believe he's working. I'm leaning into that. Isaiah said, those who do that, you, you get renewed strength from it. And then, then you look, he says, they shall mount up with the wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I, I love that he does a descending order. Because if we're, we're honest, God works in different ways. And some of us have answers to that prayers and that waiting in different ways. And so he starts with the, the most glorious way God could answer. For some of us, you mount up with wings like eagles. You just fly over it. Man, the suffering comes and God answers a prayer. And a week later, everybody's going, oh man, the diagnosis is different. Oh man, it's great. God showed up. I flew over it. But then he says, mm, some of us, you don't fly, but you run. You didn't get to fly over it. There wasn't this miraculous. But man, you went through it quicker than you thought you would. You were able to run through it. And then I, I love that he ends with the last one though. They shall walk and not faint. For some of us, you didn't get to fly. You didn't even run through it. God asked you to walk through the suffering. And, and honestly, you only have enough strength. I, lo I love this. Here's, here's what success looked like. You didn't faint today. You, you had enough strength for another step today because you're waiting on the Lord. See, James says that there's a certain patience that we have to develop, that we have to have to walk like that, to get through that. And, and as you look at it, I, I think of it a, a little bit like, like you're climbing this mountain. Sometimes you come up on a mountain, sometimes you don't realize how big the mountain is, this mountain of suffering and God's called you to climb. And you have to take step after step. And as you look at it, I got some images. I, I'm always fascinated with these rock climbers that kind of, especially can free climb. But you know, you, you come up on the mountain and, and you start out kind of like this guy. You go, okay, yeah, I can do this. Here's a spot, here's a spot. Yeah, I got this. And then before you know it, it kind of moves ahead to something like this. And you go, whoa, this is steeper than I thought. I mean, I'm looking at him like, how did he get up there? And then for some of you, it's more like this. And you go, oh, that's nuts. Just for this image, unless there was like a football sized net right here, I'm not getting up there. But sometimes it's suffering, you have no choice. And sometimes it gets so steep. I mean, for some of you, this is what your climb looks like right now. You're like, I, 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 I don't know, how do you go? How do you take that next step? And, and, and the key, no matter how steep it is, you have to have something to hold on to. That, that's the ones who are trained in that. The skill they have is not only in their strength, but the ability to recognize, okay, here's a handhold. Here's where I can place. And, and what we find, and, and we're gonna walk through this passage in it, James is gonna give us some handholds. He's gonna give us some things you can hold on to when you're going through suffering. Some places where you can go, okay, yeah, I'll grab that and I'll grab this. In fact, as we go through it, you look at each of these lines is loaded with truth 
that all of us need to hold on to. And so for some of you right now, you're in that season. Hopefully this will be encouraging and reminding for you. Some, maybe you're not in it, you will be. Because remember Jesus' words, all of us have tribulation in this life. Look at the first handhold that he gives us. He says, hold on to the hope of Christ's return. Hold on to the hope of Christ's return. All things will be made right. And this has been a consistent theme through the book of James. He, notice he's come back to this again and again and again. He keeps pointing to it. He, he looks at it here. Look at verse seven and eight. He says, be patient therefore brothers until the coming of the Lord. And, and you also be patient. And I love this line, establish your hearts. Man, at a heart level, you want something to grab. You want something to hold on to. You want something to know. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Establish your hearts because as a believer, you know that Jesus is coming back one day. As a believer, you know he's going to return for his church like he promised. As a believer, you know there is an eternity where he makes all things right. And, and I know as I say that, it, it's interesting, you know, when you talk about eternity, you talk about the life to come with it. Some people go, oh, you Christians, that's your cop out. It's kind of your cop out. Oh yeah, you're gonna go to heaven one day and it, it's gonna make everything right. And, and I look at it and I go, okay, if you don't believe in Jesus, I can understand you feeling that way. But here's the reality. Everybody in the world, religious or not, is hardwired to hope for that. They hope for, for some life, something that makes it right. I mean, you look, look at our movies, movies that have somebody die, even secular movies. Uh, we were watching Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and Rocket is about to die. And what happens? He meets his friends in heaven and they greet him. And he's like, can I be here? And they go, not yet, but one day you can come here. Or Gladiator, I love the movie Gladiator, Maximus who gives his life in the ring. What's the resolution for Gladiator in the end, in the afterlife? Ah, oh, there's his wife, there's his kids. I mean, everyone, whether you're religious or not, everyone says, oh man, when somebody dies, oh, they're in a better place. Because we're hardwired to have that hope. And hear me. The beauty of following Jesus Christ is it's not just a story, it's not just a hope, it's actually our God came to this side of eternity and he died on this side of eternity and he went to the other side of eternity and he came back again. And he says, if I go that way, I can come back for you. See, we have the hope of glory, that's what scripture calls, it's the hope of glory. We can hold on to it, we can hang on to it. It's not just this pipe dream, because our God actually led the way and he showed us he could do it. Yeah, that's worth celebrating and it's worth holding on to. And, and, and let me say this, because some of you, you're watching this from at home because you can't be here. And some of you are here you're actually facing death. You're at the doorstep and you're afraid. And that's okay, don't beat yourself up for being afraid. Death is a bad enemy. God calls it an enemy. 
But here's your hope that as you come to that doorstep, he's been to the other side. You know, Bruce Thillman tells a story of a little boy named Kenny who had leukemia. And as he started to get sicker, he couldn't go to school anymore. And then he was at home and then he was in bed. And they were at the end of what they could do. And one day his, his mother was walking by his room. He called her in and he asked the question she had been dreading him asking. He said, mom, what's it like to die? And she wasn't quite ready. She said, just, just give me a minute. And she went into the restroom and tears flushed her face. She just held on to the counter. And she said, God, give me words. And she went back in and as she did, she felt like the Holy Spirit just gave her what to say to Kenny. And she sat down and she said, you know, Kenny, man, that's a hard question. But do you remember the times when you have fallen asleep around the house? Sometimes you fall asleep on the chair in there or on the sofa. And the next morning you wake up and found yourself in your bed in your room. She said, you know what happened in those times? Your dad has come and he's picked you up and he's carried you. And he put you in bed. You were safe the whole time. Because he had you. She said, Kenny, all I know is for all of us who are Christians, when death comes, Jesus has promised to carry us. And we wake up in a place that we don't know how we got there other than his care. A few weeks later, Kenny was carried home. He faced death, but he didn't face it alone. Some of you you're facing it right now. And we're praying for you and we care for you. But hear this, here's what you can hold on to right now. Whether it's for you or for someone you love, that we know that even death is not an enemy that can overcome us because our savior overcame it. And he has promised whether it's through his return one day when he claims us or whether it's the day that each of us face death, he will carry us home. Hold on to that. Hold on to it. Let me give you the second handhold he gives us. He says, recognize that there are seasons in life that are more difficult. Recognize on this side, maybe you're not facing death right now, but you're in a long season of suffering. Look how he puts it. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. And, and when he wrote this, the church there, they would understand it immediately because they're an agrarian society. I mean, almost all of them were farmers or so they worked the field and almost all of them knew what that meant, the patience that had to come with it. Um, we, we are so different. 
Everything about us is like, man, I want it. I want it now. If it didn't happen tomorrow, if I don't get returns on that immediately, if that doesn't come through. I mean, I stand in front of the microwave frustrated. <laughs> like how long for my popcorn? This is crazy. It's crazy. But see, in that culture, they knew when you're a farmer, you're not in control. And seasons last for a long time. I mean, you're, you're desperately waiting for those early and late rains, the, the rains that would come some in October in that season, and then the late rains, the April, May rains that would come with it as well. Sometimes those seasons got stretched out and you had to wait longer than you hope. And, and, and for a family that's waiting, this is our food, this is our sustenance. It feels like it's so dry. I'm not getting what I need in this time. And some of you, you're, you're in a season of suffering and it's gone longer than you thought it would. And in that time, you, you can kind of go, God, I, I'm not getting what I need. I don't understand what you're doing. Sometimes it can feel so dry. Sometimes it can feel dark. I'm in the dark of what he's doing. James says, be patient. You, you have that active trust even in this time. You know, it's interesting. I was, I was reading about trees and what makes for a strong tree. And, and it, it was saying that, that as much as we would think, oh man, trees, they just sunlight, just put it right in the middle of a field with all the sunlight in the world. It's actually bad for a tree to grow too quickly, too young. In fact, as God's designed it, most saplings, they grow in the shade of the mother tree for years, sometimes decades. They're growing in the shade. They're not getting as much sun. And what happens when a tree grows slowly like that, the wood is actually denser. It densifies, it's stronger. In fact, as one expert said in it, you, you plant a tree in the middle of a field in the middle of sunlight, oh, it will grow quickly. But a lot of times because the wood is not dense, it can be spongy. It's more open and prone to fungus and infection. In fact, as a, one uh, writer, Peter Wollobin, he wrote a book, The Hidden Life of Trees. He said, a tree that grows quickly rots quickly and therefore never has a chance to grow old. See, in the seasons, sometimes I'm not getting what I think I need, but God knows what he's doing. And some of you right now, he's, he's asking you, he said, hey, be patient, even though it feels like your life's in the shade or even in the dark. Be patient, even though you, you don't have the range you want. Feels so dry right now. You trust that I'm working, that I'm doing something in you that you can't believe. Be patient, hold on to that. Hold on to it, that, that you're in a season. Seasons don't last forever, but seasons can last for a while. So trust God in this season in your life. Look at the third one, he says, avoid complaining about or blaming others. Complaining and blaming. If you, you look at this, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. 
When you're in a season where you're suffering, when you're under it, it is amazing how the enemy attacks. And one way is he attacks that, I, I don't know about you, I, I, I noticed it at work a few years ago. I was in a real stressful season and I just found myself that everybody got on my nerves. And I looked at him like, why are you so grumpy all the time? And I realized that I was allowing the enemy to, to allow myself to turn outward that what, what I was going through, man, they bothered me that much more. And I go, this, this is not healthy. Or on top of that, it's easy to blame others. And, and the blame may be accurate. I mean, you may be suffering part because of what they did. And, and you find yourself in that place where you're blaming, you're attacking, you, you, you with them. And it almost feels like, oh, this is not fair. And, and James just says, don't, don't do that. It's not gonna help you. And, and he's not saying there's no accountability for those who may rightfully be blamed. There's accountability. I love this line. He says, the judge is right at the door. God's not unaware of what they're doing. It's not like two kids fighting in the house or one, you ever had this, like the parents on the other side of the house and this sibling's getting away with everything. And the younger sibling's like, this is not fair if you only knew what he was doing. No, James says, oh, the judge is at the door. He sees everything. He's about to come in the room too. So you don't have to worry about everybody around. You don't have to worry. You don't have to get so fixated on what they've done wrong. And, and hear me on this. When you're in suffering, complaining and blaming, it's wasted energy. It's like you're climbing up that mountain and, and it's always right there. Oh man, there's this nice big handhold called blaming. Ooh, yeah, I'd love to grab on that. Ooh, complaining. Yeah, let me even go a little. And they're right there and they're easy to grab all the time. You know what though? They never lead you where you wanna go. And the energy you spent grabbing them and moving that direction, it always gets you off course. James says, in your patience, don't, don't waste your energy. Don't do what God hasn't called you to do. He's the judge, he's got this. He's at the door, he sees it all. And it frees you. Now, some of you, maybe you hear you go, yeah, but Tim, the people that hurt me, they wounded me, it's gone deep, I'm struggling with it. I'm not dismissing the need to deal with it. You might need to see a biblical life coach. We have so many that are trained in our church that can help you work through some of those wounds. You may need to go see a counselor or a therapist and go deal with it and work on it. But see, you deal with it so that you can keep climbing. And, and I, I say this because I've seen people who even when this period of suffering ended in their life, they stayed stuck because they were so determined that somebody needs to pay for what was done wrong. Somebody owes me, I'm so angry. And they didn't deal with it. James says, hey, don't, don't grab onto that. Even when you see it there and it's so tempting, just pass that handhold by and stay on the path that God has for you and trust him in that. 
The fourth thing he says is learn from those who faced it well. Learn from others who faced it well. As an example of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job. He gives us two categories. He says, first of all, remember the prophets. And, and if you've never studied the prophets, if you wanna talk about a study in suffering, almost every one of the prophets suffered in extreme ways. Hear me, when you were in Israel before, you didn't want to be a prophet. It was not the job that you were signing up for. Because invariably, prophets were sent to people during sinful times. And then they had to tell people what God was saying about their sin. And nobody liked hearing it. And then on top of that, God would ask the prophets to do some extreme things. That he doesn't ask of all people, but he asked it of them. And so you look at a guy like Elijah, who the queen is trying to kill him. And Elisha has an army surrounding his house. And Daniel, who's kidnapped as a teenager, taken to a foreign land with pagans. Jeremiah, who struggled with depression and sadness and all the extreme suffering that he faced and that he saw with that. You, you, you look over and over again, these different ones, Hosea, who God said, I want you to go marry this faithless prostitute. And even though she kept cheating on him, you keep loving her to show how faithful I've been to the people of God. And you look at over and over and over again, the suffering they faced. And there's a certain part of it, I go, man, it's not fair what they faced. But James says, hey, learn from their faithfulness. Learn from, if you want the category suffering of all suffering, learn from Job. We have this whole book of the Bible about suffering. As Job faced, unbelievable, as Satan says, I want to attack him and God lets him. And Job loses his wealth. He loses his children. He loses his health. He doesn't lose his wife, but she looks at him and says, why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you kill yourself is what she's saying. And I know we pick on Job's wife, but, but you know what? As a mom who lost all her kids, it, it's this picture of parents that neither one have anything left to pick each other back up. And then for 27 chapters, Job's friends show up with the worst advice of all time. They keep trying to convince Job he's suffering because it's his fault. And this is one of those categories, it's not based on his consequences, it's based on his faithfulness. And Job finally gets this audience with God. For about three chapters, he's talking to God. And as you read through it, if, if you've been through suffering, you go, good, finally, somebody's gonna give me answers to it all. Job doesn't get answers to why he suffered. What he gets though is God says, hey, come into my presence. And, and the whole lesson of it is, Job, I know you don't understand this, but you've got to let me be God and you be Job and trust that I got this. If you're suffering, you know what I've found? You, you probably are not gonna find answers in Job that you wanted, but you will find company. You will find somebody who's been there 
And part of it in your suffering, you would do well, not just Job, but those who've been through in this church what you've been through. You'd be amazed, those who've been through it, they're some of the best company you can have because they don't try to give you two answers, too many answers. But they will be good company that invite you into the presence of what God's doing in it. A few more things, we'll finish out with it. Five, he says, expect the blessing that comes from endurance. Behold, we consider those who bless who remain steadfast. You can expect a blessing from it. The book of Job, you see this blessing. Job gets double back everything. Children, wealth, all of it, double with that. Now, now hear me, Job is a picture of God's blessing. He's not the pattern. And so some people look at it and go, man, if you'll just be faithful, God's gonna give you all these things in the end. Here's what you need to know, especially in light of progressive revelation. When Job was written, they didn't have much concept of the afterlife. And so, so much of what God was showing, he would show it here on this planet. The same thing with the kingdom of Israel. God was showing what his kingdom was like here, the blessings here. The book of Job, you see it here. We know with progressive revelation, when Christ came, what did Christ tell us? My kingdom is actually not of this world. My kingdom is to come. And, and so the blessing, and hear me, the blessing that most of us will, faith, will expect and will receive when we endure will come in that kingdom. Now, there's times that God answers miraculous prayers here because it brings him glory. There's times when, when God showers us with blessing here. But here's what he's promised all of us. And here's what he's promised you, especially those who are enduring. There is a blessing to come that you can't fathom. That's why the apostle Paul, who faced every kind of suffering they could, he spent about 25% of his missionary journeys in jail, persecuted. And he writes in Romans, he says, hey, here's what you need to realize. The suffering now doesn't compare to the glory to come. Guys, it's, it's the only way to make it add up. Because I, I see it now. I see people that they go through suffering and then I hear on top of their sickness, they also lost their job. On top of this, and there's times I'll go to God and I'll go, can you let up on them? Why are they going through that much? The only way the math of the equation adds up is you add eternity. Otherwise you're left with this math equation with gaps in it and you go, this doesn't add up, God. I don't understand this. But then you add eternity to the equation and you go, oh man, you can't believe how I'm going to bless them because of their faithfulness. And you step back from it and you go, okay, God. It doesn't add up on this side, but I trust you even more on that side. And so I see young lives that are cut short and I go, I don't know what to do with that, but I'm gonna trust you that you've got that and that much more. I see people that go through suffering. I go, I don't know what to do with that. I go, I trust you. I trust you that you are sovereign. You have sovereign ability to bring purpose out of the pain. He says, you have seen the purpose of the Lord. Doesn't mean that the pain is diminished. Doesn't mean the suffering just goes away, but you can hold on to, you wanna grab onto something? You serve a sovereign God and no matter how bad it is, he does have the ability to bring purpose out of it. 
He does have the ability to work his plans. He does have the ability to work all things together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. He doesn't say all things are good. So don't let anybody come to you and say your sickness or your death or your loss or the divorce or whatever you face. Don't let them look at you and go, you know, this is really good. God does not say that. God grieves over it. God hates the enemy of death. He does not say it's good. But you know what he promises? Even in the face of death, even in the face of sickness, even in the face of anything you face, here's what you can hold on to. He is sovereign and he can bring good out of it. And you can trust him for it. And then James ends it with, you can rest in his goodness as seen in his patience and mercy. I love this last line of it. He goes, we know his purpose, but if you want to rest anything, if you want to grab anything, if you want your last handhold that you just hold on to this, you hold on to this. He is so compassionate and he's so merciful. And, and, and there's this reminder of he's been compassionate and merciful to me. And so while I look at this world and I go, God, I wish you would come back today. While I look at sinful people and I go, God, I wish you'd judge them now. You know what Peter says? The Lord's not slow to fulfill his promise. He's gonna do it in time, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. You know why the suffering of this life has not ended yet? Because God's patient and he wants to see people come to know him. And so the same God that showed mercy to me and keeps showing mercy to me, the same God that was patient with me and is still patient with me, is patient with the planet where most of the people are in rebellion against him but in his patience, he extends that mercy, not wishing any to perish. In the meantime, many of us are called to seasons and sometimes lifetimes of suffering. Hold on to these truths. Hold on to what God's given you in his work. I don't have quick answers for why you're facing it, but I've got a very quick answer of who you turn to in it. It's always Jesus. I can always trust him to be true to his word. Let's pray together. Father, I do come before you. And right now I know across this room, I know for those watching online, there are many facing everything that we talked about in this passage. Lord, I know that in those seasons, it's so easy to be discouraged and angry and fearful. In those dry seasons where we wonder where you are and what you're doing. Lord, I pray that even in this moment, we, we don't want to be passively and just wait for you to return. I, I pray, would you stir in our hearts this kind of active trust that you are coming back and you will make all things right.
that you can carry us through this season. That you are good and merciful. Lord, that you are a sovereign God. And while we do not understand the pain we go through, we do not understand the suffering even we see in the world. We know that you can work your purpose through it. Lord, we thank you for the words of Jesus that he tells us that one day we will be in his presence and he will wipe away every tear. He will remove every pain. There's a blessing waiting that we cannot fathom. Lord, we rest in the truth of who you are and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.